Do School Better, a podcast for people who want to transform education. Join Doris Corda, Hawkins School's Associate Head and Director of Entrepreneurial Studies, as she shares her experience as an educational reformer told through conversations with Assistant Directors Tim Desmond and Allison Tanker. Taking Flight, Getting Your Program Off the Ground. In this episode, Doris explains the process for building a program and how it can be grown in many different ways outside of a traditional classroom setting. She explains the role of piloting in education and the importance of identifying which resources you have and which ones you need. We've been talking a lot about the entrepreneurship course specifically that we're in the midst of here at this school, but I know you've developed a number of programs and have trained another, a number of educators to generate their own programs and develop them further. And I'm just curious, where, where do you start with yeah. that process? Where does yeah, the, that's a good question because, you know, you're... you're uh, you know, you're learning this, this thing. Um, but, you know, I think, I think that what's always important, it's like, uh, anything else you do. So you start with, okay, what, what are your objectives and what are your starting ingredients, right? So maybe you're a middle school science teacher and a public school. You say, well, um, I have, you know, 35 seventh graders in each class and 40 eighth graders in each eighth grade class. And my job is to teach them seventh and eighth grade science. Uh, and we don't have a lot of resources. They don't all have technology. Um, here's the kind of span of backgrounds they might have. This is what I'm trying to get them to learn. We talk about that. What do you, what do you hope they most get out of? What can they, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so you, you really start with, like anything, what really are the major objectives? Not a laundry list of 58 topics, but what are those major things, major skills, key concepts, knowledge sets that you really hope, if nothing else, the end of year really getting in a great way? Mm-hmm. And what are your, your ingredients? Mm-hmm. What do we have in front of us? I mean, I've worked with people who aren't uh, in a school who do summer camps. I've worked with people who have accelerator programs. I don't even, in edu- I mean, it is education, but, you know. Sure. So you have to look at what you, how much, what kind of time do you have with them? What is are they required to take this class or, are they come, or have they chosen it? You know, you kind of have to look at what are the ingredients, what's the setup. And then, then I talk about what I think are the operating philosophies that matter most, the most important ones. And talk about these things like they have to work on something that they they find meaningful, that it's meaningful to them. And there are a lot of different ways to get at that. There isn't a one-size-fits-all answer to that. It isn't always go find a business that has a real problem. There are lots of ways to do that. You can teach Chinese history and still have the conversation start when you're creating the curriculum. How do we, if we want them to learn about the Ming Dynasty, how can we structure this so that those students who are in this course because it's a requirement and 10% of them are going to be just 
naturally fascinated by the Ming Dynasty and 90% of them are just going to want to suffer through it. Mm -hmm. How do you change that so that they're all crazily interested in learning about the Ming Dynasty? How do, and it has to start, has to start with a conversation about how can we do this in a way that they're working on something that's meaningful to them. And that's where a lot of the hard thinking initially comes in. And then the other piece that, so that's the number one big thing. And then in terms of the how, mm -hmm. and the second equally big thing about the how is what you as an educator can do and want to do most readily. So start with who you are and what you've got. How do you get those two things together, given those learning objectives, given the ingredients you have, how do we, how do we use what you've got and you do best and want to do, what you are and what you've got, to create something, some way for them all to be engaging in something that's really, really meaningful. They want to do it that will... And then, then once, then how do we set that up in such a way that they can't possibly help but learn the things you want them to learn about the Ming Dynasty? How do we set that up? And then, always, multiple times in that conversation, I will say the following things. I'm the queen of piloting. Find a way. You could find, is there a way? for you to try this in a low stakes, low profile kind of way. If you're already teaching uh, a ninth grade history course or a ninth grade humanities course, instead of deciding, okay, I'm gonna create a whole new course that's gonna be completely like this next year, can we do that the year after and have you pilot something next year, like a three week China unit? Or if you're the seventh grade science teacher at the public school, can you do one unit in one of your classes, maybe just for the seventh graders or just for the eighth graders, just one unit, low stakes, where you do it entirely differently like this. Let's just work on one little thing. Mm -hmm. And don't trump it. Don't come out with a big launch or tell people about it. Just like try it. Experience it once. Give yourself room to experiment, to try it, to go, ooh, that didn't work so well. Mm -hmm. We're not saving lives here. Your seventh graders will survive their life and even their middle school. What's the worst thing that happens? The four-week unit that you do is kind of a, eh. you think students have ever gone through a four-week science unit in seventh grade that isn't so hot? I bet they have. Um, so try it. And I always talk about rules of three, that it is all, and anybody who's taught for a while, I say this and they nod, they're like, oh, yeah. So it's always the third time you teach something new. It's that third time that you, for the first time, feel like, okay, I've got this now. And so give yourself a first, a pilot, find a way. I, I can't tell you the number of teachers I've worked with, I'm, I'm not just saying this, who've come in and they've already decided with their school that before they've even come to, say, our workshop, mm -hmm. They have no uh, entrepreneurship program, or, uh, but but next year they're going to have this entire class all year for you know juniors. That's an entrepreneurship class, and they come in and they say, okay, it's the end of the summer, 
starting, we've got our signups, we're going to start next fall, and I think there's got to be a way for you to do, to, can, can you scale it back? Can you, can you instead do that the year after once you know, okay, I've got it, I know what I'm doing? Is there any way, do a club, do a, you know, elective that's a three-week thing, you know, and we look, I've had, I've had this conversation I just remembered with a couple, an, an administrator and a teacher from a school mm-hmm. who came in already having sold to their board this program. And actually we ended up changing it. So they went back and said they were told, I said, tell them, you know, lie and tell them you met this woman who's an expert. Don't tell them my <laughs> name because then they'll know I'm not. <laughs> and she said, absolutely should not do that. And you have to do it the year out. You could use me however you want. And and we and I and I, I I said okay. I asked a bunch of questions and wh- where we came up with. I said okay, that's it. Senior project, have a senior project or an independent study where you try this out next year and then the year after do it whatever. And they changed it. So does that answer your? Absolutely. I think it's a really great takeaway that uh, often people can be intimidated by the thought of, oh my gosh, how am I ever going to, you know, maybe I don't have a background in the specific content area or I have no idea how to approach teaching in this way. I have to shift my mindset entirely. But to know that if you're going to launch anything, you have to start somewhere and that the sooner you start and have opportunity to fail a little bit, like we tell our students, iterate some more, figure out the sweet spots that once you grow it to a sizable course or program whatever it ends up being yeah. that it's built on some strength yeah 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 exactly and and also what's interesting is a lot you know there are a lot of hows there are a lot of specifics try this do this here's the way we did this here's some assignments here's a workshop here there's all kinds of things and depending on what you're teaching and how you're teaching and what kind of problem they're solving there's a lot of different things to say but one of the things that at, at a kind of higher level, this will sound really obvious, but it actually isn't, I find, um, the way a lot of what we do um, is approached. So I didn't word that well, but you know what I'm saying. Sure. So, yeah. Um, so, you know, I've been in schools for, I guess this is my 19th year. And um, so much of our conversation as teachers is about, I'm going to teach this, or we're both teaching the same course. Uh, what, what are we going to teach? How, which should we choose of all these different things? Let's do this instead. Let's do that. Maybe we should take out this unit and instead do that unit, whatever it is. And I remember, I remember seeing this really <clears throat> early and then just seeing it over and over again. So, um, you know, hand, a handful of teachers sitting in a room, a faculty lounge. Student walks in who's like a senior and asks something of one of the teachers. There's a little conversation, and in the conversation, the student says something like, oh, yeah, I've actually never heard of the French Revolution. We never learned that. I'm making this up. Sure, you know, sure. I, I've never heard of it. We never learned the French. We were, that was never, we, I was never taught that. 
And so I, that's why I don't know. And the teacher goes on, they have a conversation, and the teacher, the student leaves. And then the rest of the teachers are, oh, my gosh, that's crazy, that's crazy. And then one of the teachers sitting there say, that's not true. So I know what class that student took in junior year, and they actually did cover the French Revolution. That's not true, da-da-da. And so there's this whole discussion. Mm-hmm. And how many things these students we we spend all this energy as schools talking about the curriculum and what topics we cover and what we're testing them on and blah 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 and then we're shocked to find that actually crazy crazy percentages of what we've covered mm-hmm. never stuck okay and so then <laughs> right yeah. so if you're talking about what should we teach in the ninth grade humanities course during the China unit? What should we teach? How long is the unit? Well, we always spend three weeks on China in the humanities learning course. Okay, and is that for all of our students, most of what they're going to get from us about China in high school. Maybe it is. I'm making this up. But yes, it's going to be what it is. So we could sit here and spend a whole lot of time arguing about which particular texts we're and which particular topics we think are most important if we only have three weeks with 14-year-olds to teach them about China in the 45 minutes every day that we have them. And at the end of the day... What what come what does that kid come out of there with? So here's the difference. If what you care most about is not what specific items you choose to teach, what do they learn about in this three week unit? And you say, Well, what I really hope they learn, because they're not gonna learn all of Chinese history or even a smidge of it mm-hmm. in three weeks. What I hope they learn coming out is they learn enough about China to have an appreciation for sort of the culture and the history and the orientation and that they've actually discovered that it's interesting to them. If they do enough of that, and by the way, here are some basic things I think they need to know. I think they need to know this much about the Ming Dynasty and they need to have familiarity with this and this and that. Okay. If you construct that three weeks with what I talked about earlier, what do I have bringing to the table as a teacher that I can really, really sink my teeth into and do well? Mm -hmm. And how do I structure this three-week unit so that they're working on something they themselves find really meaningful? Wow, you're going to be thrilled with what happens in only three weeks. In terms of that student's learning about Chinese history. And it's lasting, right? Hopefully so. I mean, think about experiential learning and putting students in that process of problem solving about things that are meaningful to them, putting it in a a much different light. Absolutely. It it shifts everything to the point that they they come out stronger and more confident and well-knowing. And the... uh, how you set it up when it comes, there's a zillion different ways to do it. Um, we, we're, we all want to find um, 
sort of the the single formula that's the you know the magic secret formula it doesn't work like that right so this idea that there are absolutes and that it must be experiential and it must be this and it must have these attributes or it's not good skills matter content doesn't never lecture never do it like yeah the the minute you decide that there are these do's and don'ts that always happen Mm -hmm. all we're going to do is we're now going to develop another model that 10 years from now also doesn't work so it isn't there aren't easy answers to these things by the way talk about design this is about good design Mm -hmm. when you are designing a learning experience what do you whether you're designing a product you're designing a learning experience you're designing a service you're designing a whatever Mm -hmm. right what do you have to start with you have to start with understanding what the need is really really understanding it and what you have in the what you know what is what is it that i can do that that satisfies that need given what i've got and who i'm working with so you got to understand your audience you have to understand the need and you have to be very realistic about what you have and can do this building great curriculum is no different but you but as you've heard me say it's you have to always be thinking not about what am I going to teach them, but what do I want them to learn? What, is, what do I want them to learn? And saying, I want them to learn this, 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 and that about the Ming Dynasty, and therefore if I just tell them, they'll learn it. We have ample evidence that that isn't effective. For more information and resources, go to doschoolbetter.com podcasts created by Tim Desmond, Doris Corda, and Allison Tanker. Produced by Tim Desmond.